Amen. Okay, let, let's, let's talk about the first two weeks, if we can, for just a quick minute, if, if we can. Remember these two things. Stop planting bad seed. Okay, that, that is the number one problem most people have in getting a good harvest. Is, you know, okay, you need to be planting awesome seed. Yes, like we talked about amazing. We want amazing in our life. You need to be planting that. But the first step is you got to quit planting bad seed. Because even if you're planting good seed and you're planting bad seed at the same time, you're getting, you know, you're getting a, you know, a, a garden full of good and bad. You're, you're, you're reaping both of those. So it's not just enough to plant good seed or awesome or amazing seed. Like on, on a Sunday morning, you're here, you're planting some good seed this morning. You go to, go to a small group, you connect with people, you're planting some good seed. You, you uh, buy somebody's breakfast in, in the, you know, the drive through line at Jack's, you know, and you're, you're planting some good seed. But if you're also planting bad seed, you're going to get some bad reward. You're going to get some bad harvest. So you've got to stop planting bad seed. What, is it, what does that mean? Every, every one of you, you know, like I said a few moments ago, it's not my words, but it's this whole message. You know, a couple hundred people, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to you? What is the bad seed that you've planted a lot in your life? You've got to quit planting any bad seed, attitude, all kinds of things it could be. Just what is it in your life? Stop planting that. I want to see you experience the amazing that God has, but you've got to stop planting bad seed and then start planting amazing or awesome seed. Start, start planting some real stuff. You know, not just check it off, well, I went to church on Sunday. Plant some amazing stuff so you can have an amazing harvest. Okay, and then last week we talked about how vision and mission always define the budget. Don't live according to your budget. Live according to your dreams and believe God to take care of the budget. Now, I'm not saying go just do what you want to do, go borrow the money and believe God's going to pay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about changing some priorities, and priorities aren't supposed to be developed just based on the amount of money you, you have coming in. And, I, and I'm not just talking about money here, but I'm also talking about time, time investment, and friends, and, and places as you go. And, and you've got to stop allowing your vision and your passions to be, to be controlled by the things in your life that other people put on you, and you've got to start saying, this is the vision God has given me for my life. This is the passion that I have, and I want to see it. And, and then you've got to maybe make some other changes to say, and so, you know, because if there's not any more money yet, then you've got to stop planting bad seed in your financial decisions so that God can, God can bring some of the other good seed that you've been planting in your financial decisions. He can bring some of those to harvest. And, and, and so you can't let that budget control. You've got to let your vision start manipulating everything else in your life, what God has given you to do and be. Because around here, 2911, we believe in dreaming bigger than us. This is bigger than me. What we're doing is bigger than me. What we're trying to do is, is bigger than you. You, you have uh, unchurched family members and friends and people that need to stand in this awesome presence of God like you and I did a few moments ago. But to get them here, that's that's bigger than me and you. And for them to actually let down the wall and, and to open themselves up and allow God to minister peace to them. You know, somebody, you know somebody that needs that peace. But to allow that to happen, that's bigger than me. I, I can't make that happen. But we dream bigger than us because we're, ex we're expecting a harvest that is bigger than us. Okay? So, and that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you today. So let me share just a little bit more about seeds. And, um, you know, if you had a, if you had a, a bag of grain, 
Okay, now, I know we're, we're not farmers around here, but y'all have seen grain before, right? At least pictures of it, right? If you had a bag of grain, now what could you do with a bag of grain? Okay, you could, you could, you know, you could uh, grind it up, you know, and mash it up to where you could make some meal with it, some flour with it, according to what kind of grain it was. And you could bake some awesome bread, like in our next picture here. You could break, bake some awesome bread. And, and I mean, just look, looking at that picture, you know, we, yeah, we picked that one. It's got that, uh, it looks like the butter's just baked right in it, doesn't it, or whatever. But I mean, it's just awesome. Can you smell that bread? I mean, you almost smell it, you know, and you want a little bit of that. It's like, hurry up, pastor, or you're going to lose all of us in a minute, right? You want, you want that? It's like, man, that, that could be, that's the kind of thing you can do with grain. But there's another thing you can do with grain. You know what grain is? Grain is the seed. There's something else you do. In the book of John, and this is Jesus talking, okay? So that's important. John chapter 12, verse 24, 25. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. You ever thought about that? It has to die. It is buried. It has to be buried and die. It has to be apart from you. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their, their life in this world will keep it for eternity. It, ha it has to, that, that, that seed has to actually die. It has to dry out, die. You cover it up, you put it in the ground, and it has to die. You have to plant the seed for it to produce. And, and when you do, it produces many, many, many times fold. But planting is scary. Taking the things that God has put in our hands is scary. Why? I've got three quick reasons right here why planting is scary. It's, uh, you place the seed out of your control. As long as I'm holding it, come on, I know you control freaks, or you, I'm, you know, I got you right here on this one. As long as I control it, you know, I still got it. But when you plant it, you got to put it out of your control. You, you got, you got to dig, oh, you can put that seed somewhere and it's not under your control anymore. You water it and you take care of other things, but it's, it's out of your control. You, you, you are, uh, you cannot see it anymore. When you put it under the ground, you can't see it anymore. And a lot of us, I mean, that's who we are, right? I mean, seeing is believing. That's the way most of us are. And if we can't see it, we don't know if it's still there or not. We don't know what might happen to it. Perhaps some rodent digging through my garden, you know, is, is eating all of my seed. Or maybe, maybe a bird has is, is come up and is, and is scratching away and, and pecking down and getting the seed and eating it. Maybe, maybe blight or, or something else, drought, is going to get it. And, and, and we don't know what's going to happen to it. So it's a scary thing to take what you have and to put it in a place where you don't control it, where you can't see it, and where you don't know what's going to happen to it, that's a scary thing, but that's exactly what God says to do. Jesus just said it in John chapter 12. If you don't put it in a place beyond your control, if you don't put it in a place where you can't see, let it die, and you don't know what happens, until you do that with it, there is no harvest. There is no harvest. But the way we are in the United States of America, especially our culture, you know, we get a little bit extra money. What do you think? What do you think of when you get a little extra money? You get a bonus. What do you think of? Huh? Anybody? Come on. Bass boat? Did I say, here's something? No, I just love that. You get a little extra money, you know, you're thinking of toys, aren't you? Come on, you're thinking of toys, a, a we're going to take a vacation because we got a little extra money. You know, or if you got a big need, transmission went out in one of your vehicles, you get a, you get a little extra money, what are you going to, oh yeah, I got to do that, right? You got to, you know, thank God I got that. And so we see immediately. But what we do then, it's like, 
every time we get something, all we can think of is consume, consume, consume. You know, and never, never are we thinking about the future down the road about what we need to do with what we're receiving. And I know some of you are a little better about saving money than others, but I'm talking even beyond just the money aspect. I'm talking about the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have and the time that you have in your life. And you have that in your hand, and all we can think of is consume, consume, consume. How much of our time do we spend on us? How, much of our, how, how, how many of our gifts, how much of the, the time of our gifts and our talents and our abilities do we spend on us? Come on, aren't we? We are a consumer society, and that doesn't just mean we just buy everything we can buy. I mean, we consume every single thing we have and, until we, we get to the end, and we just, sometime at the end of the day, the end of the week, you know, we're just falling across the bed, you know, and trying to get a leg over, you know, just trying to get to sleep. Because we've just, we consumed ourselves. We've consumed our, consumed our strength. We've consumed our, our talents. We've consumed everything, everything all week long. You know, it is no wonder to me, you know, people pray you know, to win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes or lotteries or whatever, you know, including my wife, uh, you know, pray over those kinds of things, you know. But you, do you know, you know what the stat is? You know what the, the statistic is? Look at this statistic. Here it is. This statistic, the statistic is 90% of lottery winners go through their winnings in five years. You know why? Because we consume. I mean, you know, and, and you, you, you go back and, and you listen to some of them when they first win and hear what they say. They say, oh, I am so, you know, so excited and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little bit on this, a little bit on this, and I'm going to put the rest away and, and I'm going to do awesome things for lots of people in the world. And you know what? Five years later, you know, when their new bass boat is, is being repossessed, you know, and they're moving out of that big home that they said they wouldn't buy, but they bought anyway, it's because, you know why they have, because we're always thinking about consuming. And the more we consume, the less we have. You ever thought about that? You don't gain more by consuming. <laughs> you lose by, you know, th this seems like a, a, just a, a foreign idea to us in our, in our culture today. But you don't gain more by consuming. You, you know, and, and our culture, I mean, really our culture looks at people who are consuming out there, and they look at them and say, man, they've got it made. Because they're consuming. And that's what we think. And, and they've got more and more, and, and, and they're consuming. But the way to have more is you have to invest it. The way to have more money is to invest it. The way to have more time is to invest it. The way to have more friends is to invest it. The way to have more peace is to invest. The way to have more joy is to invest. Everything, take, as long as we are consuming, and, and I know it's so easy sometimes. I mean, when you're hungry, when you're starved, what do you want to do? I mean, yeah, you know, somebody lays a hamburger in front of you, what are you going to do? I mean, you're starved, you want to eat the hamburger, right? And so, and that's the way we live our lives. We live our lives just from, from every end of every aspect that we can we, to the other end and, and doing everything we can and, and we get a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of money or a little bit of time and, and we just want to consume it on ourselves because we're, we're tired, we're worn out, we're hungry, we're thirsty. We, and so we consume because our bodies are tired and we need a little bit more. But after we've drunk just a little bit more, we need to do like I was saying a few moments ago, I, is once we drink this in and we need to say, wait a minute, I know somebody else that needs this. And we need to start thinking about those places we need to invest. And I'm not just talking about money today, but I am talking about money. I'm talking about uh, your, your time and your talents and all those things as well. But I want to take, I want to take this, this idea of, 
a kernel of grain just a little deeper, okay? And let's talk about a kernel of corn. Y'all know what that looks like, right? You probably only know about that because you know about popcorn, right? I mean, most, you know, or maybe you know that because that looks like whole kernel corn, you know, like you eat, you know, at grandma's house or whatever, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't know a thing about it, would you? I mean, you know, but there it is. A kernel of corn. And what can you do with a kernel of corn? Here's option one. You can pop it. And you can have one bite of popcorn. Right? I mean, that's what you could do. You can pop that. How many of you would like one bite of popcorn right now? Anybody wants one bite of popcorn? I mean, you know, that's kind of like a Lay's potato chip they used to say on their old commercials. You, you know, you can't eat just one. You eat one piece of popcorn, I mean, that just makes you mad, doesn't it? That there's not more, right? But because we're consumers. We want to consume. And one is not enough. What are we going to do with just one? We can't do it. You can't do anything with just one, can you? Yes, there's another option. Can I show you? And, and, and let's, let's play some numbers here, okay? What if you took that one kernel of, of, of corn, and instead of popping it and one bite and it being gone, what if you did what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 12, and I'm talking physically here, really physically, actually taking a kernel of corn and putting it in the ground? You know what happens? Here's option two, is you get a corn stalk. Y'all ever seen these? You know, pictures of them or whatever, you know, or driving down the road somewhere uh, uh, out in the, count, uh, in the country somewhere. Yeah, you get a corn stalk. From, from one seed, you'll get a corn stalk. And on that corn stalk, you, you'll probably have a couple of ears of corn. Now, you know, I didn't know that. I, I, I thought, man, I used to think, you know, that they just produce corn and corn and corn and corn. You'll get a couple of ears of corn. And on the, can anybody guess how many kernels of corn are on an average ear of corn, corn cob? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody got an idea? Okay, now, I, I don't know this because I'm a farmer. I know this because I know how to Google stuff, okay? <laughs> and I Googled it to find out. And it's according to what kind of corn that you're growing, okay, and what kind of kernel you started with and everything, but it's somewhere between 400 and 800 kernels on every cob. So let's take, let's split the difference and say it's 600. So what that means is we planted our seed and we got a corn stalk. And on that corn stalk, we got two ears of corn. And on both of those ears of corn, there are 600 kernels. That means there are now 1,200 kernels in my hand in these two uh, ears of corn. I have gone from one little kernel to 1,200 kernels simply by listening to what Jesus said is take that, put it in a place where it's out of your control, put it in a place, let it die, let me take care of it, and that's what he does. He said, no, what do you mean Jesus take? That's what he did. Do, do, do you not understand all of the laws of nature? Who do you think wrote those? It wasn't Congress because it works, right? You know, it wasn't Congress. Oh, okay, all right. It was not legislated. God created this. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, let the herbs bring forth after their kind. Let them bear seed and bring forth after their kind. God did this. So when he says, take the kernel of grain, Jesus is saying, but we're talking about corn here, and corn is a grain. Take the kernel and put it in the ground. Let it die because it will bring to pass many more. And so you know what we end up with? Is instead of me getting a bite of corn, I've got enough, I can, I can take that, I can pop it, and I've got enough popcorn to feed a dozen of my friends. You know, and, and just one act of faith. Just one. I didn't have to get all weird on anybody. 
Just one little act of faith. I know that's what some of you are worried about. You're going, to get, you're going to be looked at as weird. Jesus said you do this all the time. You put these seeds in the ground all the time, and you know this is going to happen. And so now me and 12 of my friends, and we don't just get a bite. We get enough. We get a big bag of popcorn between all of us. We get, a, we get a nice sized bag of popcorn because of one act of faith. And so let's pop the corn. And now, now we've got 12. And now I'm full and you're full. 12, 12 of my friends are full. But what if we took that one more generation? What if instead of popping those 1,200 kernels, we took them, okay, we, we took them and we planted them like we did that first kernel? We've gone from 1 to 1,200. What would happen? Okay, for those of you who aren't math whizzes, listen, it's not going to be 24. It's not just going to double, okay? This is an exponential thing. So look at the numbers with me. We've gone from 1 to 1,200 with one step of faith. What if we took those, those 1,200? Now we've got 1,200. Oh, yeah, over here, there's our, our kernels. We've got 1,200 kernels. We put them in the ground. We get 1,200 stalks. And out of those 1,200 stalks, how many years of corn do we have? 2,400. Okay, we just get 2,400 ears. But on all of those ears of corn, there are 600 kernels. 600 times 2,400 is 1.44 million kernels of corn. And you know what? We got from one little kernel of corn to 1.44 million kernels of corn in two acts of faith. In two generations, going from just, going from just say, in, being a consumer and saying, I want to I buy it, i got to have this, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, let me do something for the future, and taking that one act of faith and doing that, and we go, boom, all of a sudden to 1,200, and we say, let's do it one more time, and we go to one point for me. You know how much popcorn that is? I'll tell you how much. I looked it up. I Googled, okay, to find out. <laughs> That's enough to give a bag of popcorn to every man, woman, boy, and girl in all of Blunt County and Walker County combined by two acts of faith. That's a lot of popcorn. Can you imagine that? That's a lot of popcorn. And, and, and first of all, you talk about 1,200, you don't have 1,200 stalks. I mean, you all of a sudden, you go from needing, you know, needing a pot to put one little stalk in, you need, you need a field. You need a farm for 1,200 stalks of corn. You need to feel. That's what God does. He takes those things. And gets, so, so here's the question you've got to ask yourself, okay? Do I want to bite? Or do I want to have impact? Do I want to change a moment where I'm mm, munching on that one little piece of corn, popcorn, thinking, hmm, this, this uh, really tastes good for these five seconds that it's actually in my mouth. Do I want to have a moment or I want to have a lifestyle that changes lives all around me. Because now, I just told you, now with two acts of faith, you could impact everybody in two counties here beside us by two simple acts of faith. And I know you think, oh, well, pastor, are we going to have a popcorn ministry around here? Well, we have kind of a popcorn ministry around here, you know? We give out popcorn around here. And giving it out, I believe that, I believe that uh, giving the popcorn is like giving the seeds coffee and other things that we do from time. I believe we are investing, we are planting. And you know what? I'm not controlling the coffee out there. So you ought to say praise God about that. I don't know how to make coffee. I'm not controlling the coffee. It's out of my control. 
We're investing it. We're planning it. We're sticking it in a place. We don't know what it's going to do. So for some of you, it's just, you know, I, I know one thing it's done. It's made some of you get here early. So you can get in line for coffee. And, you know, thank God for that. We got some harvest already. Praise God, you know. And people are here a little early. I, you know, but what other harvest is going to be there? You got a coffee? You, you got somebody, a coffee drinker, that needs what I was talking about just a few moments ago? You know a coffee drinker that needs the peace of God? You, got, you have an easy excuse to invite them. Say, hey, let me tell you, there is some awesome coffee that our church is serving right before, right before service the, the month of November. Come join us. You have an awesome excuse, an awesome reason to do that. It's not just about popcorn. Okay, see this, this truth in Genesis chapter 1, this truth that it will bring forth after its kind. God didn't make these laws and say, this is just going to be about agriculture and crops. But what we find out all through Scripture is he said, that's an example to us about everything in your life. The little bit you and I know about agriculture and crops and, and planting stuff like, stuff like corn, you know, and getting that back, that little bit is a truth, not just about crops, it's a truth for your finances. Listen, it's a truth for your business. Are any of you in business? You, don't, you, you want your business to be better? You want it to be stronger? These same truths about crops and about planting and about honoring God and with the harvest of those things, those same truths are true for your business as well. And if you're planting bad seed in your business, you're going you're gonna to harvest bad in your business. If you're not treating your employees right, you're not, you're not going to receive a good harvest from your employees and their work ethic. If you're not doing it, it's true about your relationships. You want to know about, you know, why, why isn't my relationship any better? What are you planting in your relationship? Are you a consumer? Mm-mm. Think about it. What are you in your relationship? Are you a consumer? You're, you're just always, you know, what I can get out of this? Are you, are you a giver? Are you investing anything in your relationship? And, and, and I'm talking about whether you're dating or whether you're married. And I don't mean whether you've been married for the, for the last couple of months or you've been married for, for several decades. What are you investing in that? Pastor, there's just no peace in my, in my marriage. Then sow peace. What are you doing? Sow peace. Sow peace. Plant some peace that is there. Just be at peace. You know, sometimes somebody just needs to start making some peace in the place. It doesn't mean you got to sit down and even have a conversation. It just means you got to start responding to things in peace. You want some peace? So peace. You want some joy? So joy. You know, put a smile back on your face, you know, and, and, and quit acting like the world, you know, yeah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but quit acting like you're, you know, you're the one in charge and you're leading the parade, you know? Start acting like, wait a minute, hang on here. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit that God has already planted in me is love, joy, peace. Love. What in the world am I doing with a frown on my face? You know, what do, what do you need in your relationship? Sow it in, in ministry, in evangelism. Whatever you plant, whatever you sow, that's, that's what you get back out of ministry and, and, and moral living, right living, and doing things right. You know, the giving, giving an honest labor for your wages. Not just pulling the wool over your employer's eyes, but actually doing a good, honest day's work and not saying, well, he won't miss this screwdriver. You know, honesty. Honesty. Because if you're sowing dishonesty, you're going to reap dishonesty. 
But if you're sowing honesty, you're sowing good morals, you're going to reap that. These are truths that, that, and, and many, many more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are truths that God has established. Not, not just because, but in Genesis 1 where he said, after his kind, this is an example to us. The Word of God tells us that nature is one of his testaments to us. That when we look at nature, it is like teaching us about the things of God and how God has set stuff up for me and you. It's not just about crops. It's about all of these areas and many more. And so if you had an hour, an hour and a half, I would preach all that to you. I'd come back next Sunday and preach it, but I've got something else about seeds I've got to tell you next Sunday. So let me tell you as much as I can real quick, and then I'm going to have to leave you with some of it, okay? Let me show you some scriptures right here. And let's begin. In the book of Acts, chap, uh, I'm sorry, book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul is writing, he said, I planted the seed, Apollo, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Apollos was a, was a young evangelist, and, and Paul said, I planted the seed. Now, we're talking evangelism here. We're talking about reaching people for Christ. We're talking about, we're, we're talking about people getting, getting to feel that awesome, sweet, precious, co- comforting spirit and peace and like, we were, like we felt it here. And look what Paul is saying. Paul says, I planted seeds. And now Apollos is coming behind me, and he's watering them. But remember who I said Apollos was. Apollos was an evangelist, a young evangelist. He was not one of the 12 disciples. He was somebody that the disciples reached after Jesus was gone. So like Paul was like maybe a first generation. Now Apollos is the second generation, kind of like that second generation of, 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 of corn kernels, you know, that we're planting. And now he's the second generation. And now God has been making it grow. We're talking about evangelism here. That's how it, that's how it happens is that we, we invest things. But let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 8, 9. He says, do not be deceived. Paul's writing, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What are you sowing? Everything I was talking to you about the last few minutes. If you're sowing dishonesty, you're going to reap dishonesty. You know, if you're sowing bad things in your business, you're going to reap bad things in your business. What, whoever sows to please their flesh, to consume, 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 from the flesh will reap destruction. Because what are we getting with all of our consumption? High cholesterol levels? What are we getting with all of our consumption? Health problems? If we, if we just sow to please our flesh, consume, from the flesh we reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Then instead of just consuming, 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 let me find something to do. That'll please, please God. Let us, not be, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He, that's a promise. And just as sure as, he said, as Jesus said in John chapter 12, and just as sure as when God spoke the world into existence in Genesis chapter 1, he says, you put the seed in the ground, it will bring forth. If you, if you do this, Galatians chapter 6, here's a promise from God. Whatever you reap and whatever you it's coming back. Don't give up. Don't walk away. It's, it, it's probably not going to blossom in five minutes from the time, but sometimes it does. Sometimes there's an amazing return, an immediate return, and it happens. Don't give up. If you don't give up, that's the problem. If you don't give up, you're going to reap a harvest. Let's, let's go on to my next verses here. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is Jesus. He says, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. 
For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I love that. I love that. Give, and it'll be given to you. How? And go to the end of that. It says, however you give. Whatever measure you give with, that's how you're going to receive. Not just talking about money, but money, yes. You know, are you like this with your money? Oh, God, I, 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 God, I, can't, I can't take a dollar and, and, and do that today, God. You know, I can't buy somebody's breakfast behind me today, God. And there's somebody back there who's dying and just needs somebody to, 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 to show a little bit of love. And it's not the $5 you spent on a biscuit for them at Jack's. It's the fact that somebody stopped long enough to see them. And when you, and when you plant that, then, then you receive that back. You receive, you receive the, the, the benefit of that, and it'll be given to you. And with what measure you give it, what attitude you give it, and not just the money, but the, the attitude and, and, and the talent and the time that you spend in that, and however you give it, that's how it's going to come back to you. But I like, I like the middle part there. A good measure. Press down. Y'all know what that means, right? Come on, any of y'all ever, when you, when you were at home, you know, some of you may still be there, and your mom says, take out the garbage, what do you do? You go to the garbage can, and you, right? You squeeze just a little bit more. That's what he's talking about here. Good measure, pressed down. That's more than just dumping it. It's pre- that's what he says. It's good measure. More than, more than you can hold. Pressed down, shaking it, you know, shake it, and it'll settle some more. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together, and running over will be poured into your lap. God says, I'll pour it into your lap. Just right here, we, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. And so you're sitting here, now I've got way too much. What am I going to do with 1,200 corn kernels? How, where am I going to plant these corn kernels? But there's a harvest field all around you, isn't there? That's why he gives good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, is because there's people all around you who need more peace than you need today. And that's why we get overcome sometimes when we're in his presence and that, that peace that is there is like, oh, it's just overwhelming. Why? Because he gives you more than you need so that you've got something to give to someone else. And go tell somebody about it. Uh, uh, Psalm 41.1, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. I want you to see some of these things. That's why I'm hurrying through these. And I'm, I don't mean to spend as much time as I'm spending there. But, but look what he says. If you regard the weak... You know, the people who are weak, they're going through tough times, and some of you are sitting here and saying, that's me, I, you know, I'm not regarding the weak, I am the weak today. We all get there, but here's what God says. If you regard those who are going through tough times, and they're weak, and they're beaten down, then when you go through your t- tough times, God's going to regard you. When you're, if you're the one that pay, is paying attention to those who are weak and those who are struggling, then God is the one who's going to pay attention to you. Here's what he's saying is, whatever you're sowing, if you sow that I care about people, then God's going to care about you. If you sow that, if you sow and you plant this thing that I want to do something for somebody, then God said, then I want to do something for you. And let me tell you something. God can do a whole lot more good for you than you can do for anybody else. And so what you end up doing is you take a little kernel and you push it down in the ground and you stand there and you say, well, I'm doing my best. And then God does his best. And how be- how, what's his best? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall be poured into your laps. Because then he finds out, oh, wait, wait, there, I got one now that's learned about sowing and harvesting. So let's invest a little more. That's what God does. Uh, Proverbs 11, 24, 25, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. And look at it. Here it is again. Here's reaping and sowing. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
You're tired and worn out, refresh somebody else and let God just bring refresh. It happens. You ever heard, you, you know, you can't give a smile away, right? You can't. Try it. Try it this afternoon. Some of you might break your face if you tried, but try it anyway, okay? Come on. Try to give a smile away. You can't because you, you smile at somebody, what happens? They smile at you. I know some of them may think you're just a little weird or crazy or wonder what you're up to, right? But they still, even the ones that are nervous, will kind of smile, you know, maybe just a little bit. The, the edges of the mouth will go up a little bit, you know? You can't give a smile away. And so when, when you are in a place which you need, when you need to be refreshed, what he's saying is refresh somebody else. And when you see them refreshing, you know what's going to happen? God's going to be refreshing you. It just happens. You just look at that, you just watch that, and you're being refreshed also. Let's go to the next. next. I'm going to have to stop here in just a minute. Uh, uh, here's another one, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You want mercy? Plant mercy. You want to be shown mercy? Then show mercy. And if you're not showing mercy, no wonder you don't have mercy. If you, if you feel like you don't have mercy in your life, nobody is looking into you, then it, maybe it's because you're not showing. And, I, and, I, and I've got to quit. I, I've got to quit. But Chase, just show. I, I, I'm willing, you don't have time to read these with me, and we don't have time to preach them. But I want you to see all these, chat, all these verses that I had written down here, and I, I've gone longer than I meant to. Let me tell you what these are, because you need to go home and study them. You don't have to hurry. Every one of them is on the Sunday's page, Okay. So go home, church2911.com, click on the Sunday, Sunday's page up there at the top, it'll take you. And everyone is right there. And I've even also given a little description of exactly what it is that we're looking for in every one of those chapters, in every one of those verses. On the Sunday's page, I try to give you a little something that you're not getting on Sunday morning too, so that you got a little something to go for. So I hope you'll go for that. But you see what this is saying? Is all of these rules about sowing and reaping are not about crops. It's about every part of your life. And so here's the question. Do you want to bite or do you want to have impact? Do you want to change a moment of this earth or do you want to have impact to change everything? Can I ask you to do something with me? Would you stand and come to the front? Let's close. If you're a first-time attender, just tell you that we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song, and, and we invite you to come. If you're comfortable, come join us. We're going to close up here. Just got a couple things to share with you. When we get up front, we'll have a word of prayer. Sing a final song. Prayer team members are gathered all around you every week that we close here. You should be able to pick them out. With a, you got a lanyard with a little card that says prayer on it, okay? If you need prayer, don't wait for the pastor to say, who needs prayer? Man, get, get a hold of one of those people. And don't leave if you need prayer, okay? You know, it really bothers me on Sunday afternoon to have somebody call me and say, Pastor, I really need prayer this morning. You know, I just want to say, anybody need to do it, you know? <laughs> okay, we'll pray through the phone, but you know, I really would like to be there with you, you know? Let me ask you this question. I asked you this two weeks ago. How many of you need Amazing. You need something amazing to happen. You need God to do something amazing in your life. Raise your hand. Hold it up for just a minute. You need God to do something amazing in your life. You don't have, you don't have a boo-boo that you need a, you need a Band-Aid on. You need God to do something amazing in your life. Hold your hand up. Now, those of you who aren't in a hurry for it and it can wait a couple of months, put your hand down. Thank you. I wanted you to think about that for just a minute. Let, let, let me lay a couple things out for you here, okay? I can pray for you. But this whole sermon series is saying that ain't enough. 
It ain't my prayers that's going to change things. Somebody's got to sow something. Somebody has got to put something in God's hands, like that little kernel, that little seed, got to put it in God's hands and say, God, this is scary, but I'm going to hide it like you said to hide it. I'm going I'm to let you be in control of it. I'm not seeing it, and I don't know. Oh, boy, that's scary, isn't it? Ah, boy, that's scary. But God, I'm going to do this. You've got to put something like that in his hands. So let me, let me, let me share just a couple things you, could, you can do, okay? One of those is what I was saying earlier. You know somebody that needs this peace? You need somebody that needs this peace? They need, to, they need to get an invitation from you before next Sunday. If they're coffee drinkers, make sure they're here early. Tell it. That's, that's, you, don't, you don't need anything else. If, hey, you haven't been to church with me. Why don't you go with Because we got some awesome coffee. And tell them how they did, you know, just drizzling the water over the, you know, the, uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'm just saying, man, that's got to be a lot better, you know. Yeah, and so those, you got coffee drinkers? And you got family members that won't come to church? Let me tell you, the number one time that lost, unchurched family members come to join us is at our Thanksgiving meal, which is next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock right here in this room. We'll break down put tables out after service next Sunday. Stay and help us if you'd like to, please. Uh, but you need to invite somebody. You got somebody in your family you're having problems with? Get them saved. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you, you got somebody you can't, you can't live with? In your, man, get, a, get them right with God, you know? And then maybe they'll pray for you and you'll get right with God and you'll have a better attitude about them too, right? But I mean, it's, none of this is rocket science. This is so simple and easy. Just whatever it is you need, plant it. <laughs> and all you got to do is take a little bit and plant it in God's faith and faith in what he says. An amazing harvest comes. This is so simple. This is so easy. I guess that's why we don't try it. We're waiting for somebody to charge us $1,000 or sell a book. Probably could sell a book today to a bunch of them, and you'd buy one. All it takes is to say, invite somebody this week. Let me tell you one more. And it's those people that you, Jamie was talking about, and we saw a video from just a few moments ago from Mark, Shana, and Fumi. Um, go ahead. Right, we got a picture of them up there. This is Mark, Shana, and Fumi. They are um, a crazy story. If you've got time, ask me sometime. I'll tell you this crazy, crazy story about how in the world they ended up here. He's never been a member of any church from Maryland. She's from Mississippi. I, I, got, I can't tell you all the story. But, and, they, and he ended up buying a house in Mount Olive, Alabama. They came to 2911, and they have to, they have to visit lots of churches because they have to get support. They have to get support. But they joined 2911. We are their covering here. I told our staff the other night, I said, we need to really take ownership of them. We need to see this. They are staff of Church 2911. We don't, we don't pay their salary. They are not at our staff meetings. They are not here on a Sunday, but they are staff. We sent, them back to, we sent them back to Italy, and many of you made a commitment to support them when they went back. We sent them back to Italy. And now, you heard this morning, let me, let me go a little deeper with this. They've had some problems with a the car. They had a car lined up when they got there. They're going to buy the car. Ended up, was a problem. Uh, somebody took advantage of them. Then they had another car they thought they were going to be able to get for $2,000. Somebody, somebody in this congregation wrote a check right then. We wired it to them so they could go get that car. They went to get the car. Guess what? It wasn't as advertised. Y'all never experienced that, right? <laughs> then he said, he said, we found another car, but it's going to be $1,500 more. 
Same thing happened this week. Got to it, it wasn't as advertised. He said, I think it's going to take another... He's not telling me, I'm asking him. I said, you tell me, I'm your pastor. You're sitting there without a car. You tell me what you need. And he said, he said it's going to take 1500 2000 more dollars to get a car. I said, okay, we're going, to make that, we're going to make that a matter of prayer. But in praying about it, realize God's going to speak to somebody somewhere. Somebody's got to come off some money, right? God's got to bless, you know, and, and it could be, it could be the, the worst man in Italy that writes him a $2,000 check. That's how me. Let him, let him get a blessing from God. Let him begin to see what God is trying to do. But that's where they are. This week, he asked me to go by and check on his house. They, they left in June. Uh, I think they had somebody supposed to go check, and they hadn't been by to check, so I went by to check. And uh, as I was going in the door, we were actually Facebook messaging each other in his yard. Uh, and I was, I was sitting there, I said, what else you want me to check? He said, check the closets. And, I, and I, I'm glad he told me to check the closets, because when I would go on in, I would not be going through the closets, you know, checking on every, their stuff. But I checked all the closets, got the last closet, opened the door, and I, I, it was dark, the, the light wouldn't work, and I couldn't see, but I smelled something. And I opened it further, and uh, it's full of mold. And uh, this one closet's full of mold. It's got to be ripped out. We've got somebody who's ready to go over tomorrow and do the work, but we're going to have to probably buy, we're gonna buy some drywall for them. And about this much, this, the, the clothes rack in there was this wide, and every piece of clothing there has the mold. I don't know if you know about mold, but it like grows down into it. Once it does that, it's gone. It's grown down into all the clothes, and they were his suits and her dress clothes. Those are all gone. Now, they're not going to need them until next summer, okay? That's not an issue yet because they won't be back here. We're not shipping them over there. They'll, they will use them when they come back here, but they're going to need that. And, uh, and so I asked him also, said, and I asked him this about two weeks ago, and he said, giving is already down. I said, well, what do you do when giving's down? He said, well, we just make adjustments to our budget. I don't know about you, but I do, I've done that as much as I can do that. I'm trying to find another place to make an adjustment to my budget. And you're there in Italy, you're there in a foreign country, and you're trying to do God's work. Giving is already down. It's only been about four months, and people who have made commitments in other churches, and I pray not here, but have stopped giving or they've forgotten or whatever. We've, we've got to step up. So here's, here's, here's the second thing. I told you one seed. Invite somebody to church next Sunday or Thanksgiving meal or whatever. Here's the next seed. I want you to join me today in giving off an offering to the tents. I want you to join me. When you walk out the door, there'll be a couple of ushers back there, two bags. Two bags, no waiting, right? You can just walk right on by, drop your gift in, whatever. And for you first-time attenders, we just want your card. But those of you who belong here, these people went back believing that we were behind them. Let's show them that we're behind them right now. The true measure of thanksgiving, I believe, I've said this every year since we planted this church, is how you handle the gifts you receive. When you take those gifts and you just consume them, you just eat them up, you weren't very thankful. But when you take them, you say, this is precious stuff that I've been given. And you use what you need, but then you say, where can I take some of this? You're really treasuring that. This is thanksgiving. It can't just be word of mouth. It's got to be something that we do. You need to plant something. Here is an awesome place to plant something. And you to tell you what they need more than anything. More than they need somebody to write a, a $2,000 check for that car, or $1,500, whatever it'll end up being is they need those people like me and you who are given $25, $50, or $100 a month on a regular basis so they know their bills are going to be paid next month too. That's what they need more than anything. 
And so I want to ask you today to say, but, but Pastor, I don't, know, I, I'm, I don't know where I can find that. Let me show you where to find it. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. I'm sorry, I didn't know I was going to have you down here this long talking about the tents, but I just, I, I got a heart for missions. I don't, I mean, I think this church does because the plant pastor had a heart for missions. When God is calling Moses to lead his children out of Egypt and slavery into a promised land that they've even said themselves, it flows with milk and honey. It is huge blessings there. God said, Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses looked and got a staff. He was a shepherd. So he said, a staff, a rod, a, a staff, just a stick. And if you know the story of Moses, you know that for the rest of his life, that shepherd's staff was a sign of the awesome work of everything God did for the rest of Moses' life. Every part of leadership, every, the miracles, he stretched that staff out over the Red Sea and it parted. And the miracles where he struck the rock and water flowed out. The miracles, everyone. And where did it come from? What you've already got in your hand. You've already got it there. You've already got $5 that you can give a week. Cut out. Cut out one Dr. Uh, Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew. One a day. Drink water and see what you can do. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not telling everybody you've got to do this, but I'm giving, you some, I'm giving you some ideas. But we need to start remembering what it means to be servants and to sacrifice and to give thanks. You know, and I'm not asking you for an offering for this church. I'm asking you, I'm asking you to do something that is going to benefit you and them. And take that. Uh, don't eat out one time this week. How much money we save? You can send that to dance. I'm not saying you've got to do that. Here's what I'm saying. It's already there. If we will stop consuming every single blessing that God gives us and realize that he gives us some things for us to pass on to somebody that needs it, then God can start meeting needs and he can start bringing to your your house, the harvest that you truly need. Join me, okay? Join me in that on your way out the door. I know some of you give online. Make yourself a note. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget it. Do it online. Write, write down tents at the bottom. But here's what I want you to do right now. Close your eyes with me. I want you to tell God the area of your life that you need that amazing harvest to come. Tell him what it is. You can say it out loud, you can whisper it, or you can just say it just between you and him, just in your heart, but say it right now. Jamie, go ahead when you can, Jamie.